Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. Get you back, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. I'm strong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. And everyone knows it. But the dramatics could come down just a little bit. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. Looking through the New York Times, I'm trying to find... Um, their analysis of the upcoming Supreme Court uh, season. I can, already, I can already tell you what my favorite case is. Go we, ahead. We've been working on this for years. Well, we used to work on it a lot, then we gave up because it was impossible. This whole ADA lawsuit thing where wheelchair Nazis can go around and ruin businesses or attempt to and extort them for money over unfollowable laws that do no good for anybody. They shut down businesses. They make creeps wealthy. They don't help disabled people at all. It's awful. And now the Supreme Court is going to look into making it much harder to do. Yeah, it's a beautiful case, uh, a case study in the road to hell being paved with good intentions. It's uh, it's yeah. awful. So, okay. yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I, I did not know that. But uh, anyway, the, the other day, where the hell is that? Uh, the New York Times was uh, analyzing uh, the New York, the uh, the Supreme Court's uh, docket this time around. And it was in their usually shameless, left-wingy way of describing every single case and had the inevitable references to the uh, the just brutal arch-conservative, practically fascist, illegitimate, six-to-three makeup of the Supreme Court and how scary that was. The Trump Court, the out-of-control Trump Court. 
That's right. Illegitimate. We need to pack the court. We need to expand it. Blah, blah, blah. Sarah Isger of the Federalist Society uh, put out uh, a tweet the other day that I thought was absolutely fantastic. And uh, we're going to play you some uh, some chunks of it and, and discuss as we go. Michael, we'll just start with 40 and go from there. In October term 2022, the Supreme Court released blockbuster opinions on affirmative action, free speech, immigration, and more. Depending on who you ask, this court is an extremist conservative juggernaut or liberal apologist. I'd like to argue today that a lot of the myths around the media's coverage of the Supreme Court from the right and the left aren't quite right. I'll be darned. All right, roll on. The Supreme Court decided 58 cases. Half of those were decided unanimously, and nine out of ten of them were decided with at least one liberal justice in the majority. Only five cases, 8%, were decided 6-3 with the six Republican appointees all on one side and the three Democratic appointees on the other. And that was the lowest number of ideologically split decisions in the past six years. For yet another year, Justice Kavanaugh was in the majority most often, 96% of the time. Chief Justice Roberts was next at 95% of the time. And Justice Barrett was in the majority 91% of the time. And who were the least likely to be in the majority? Justices Thomas and Alito. Okay, so uh, in short, it's the opposite of the way the court is being portrayed to me by the mainstream media and the president. It is the least polarized court in many, many moons. And it's not extreme What was your favorite stat there? 90% of the time, one of the liberal justices was in the majority. 90%. But even if you don't agree with the decisions, they're not your cup of tea. You can't make the argument that it's in any way extreme or out of control or an aberration or something. No, it's utterly dishonest propaganda. Wow, that is really interesting stuff. We should keep that around, or I should write that down and carry it around on a card in my pocket when I run into people making claims like that. Here's some stats for you you might not know. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. So that is the shocking revelation about uh, the the propaganda around the court from the mainstream media these days. It actually gets more interesting if you want to plunge on. Why don't we? Well, the president himself said it was an out-of-control court. That's... uh... That is so awful. It's a post-truth world. And you will claim that which is the opposite of true to score political points. The regularly. problem is, and we, we didn't get into this last week, but so the like the, uh, the whole uh, Trump said uh, something alluding to Mark Milley being executed for treason or something like that. And then Milley shot back in his outgoing speech on Friday. And the Wall Street Journal made the point that you responding to Trump this way does more damage than the original. I mean, because that's what happens all the time is the so-called uh, normal people, the so-called adults in the room, the so-called the so-called, um, uh, you know, the, the people that are trying to hold together our institutions do more damage to them. So Biden, the great the great come in and bring things back to normal, calls it an extremist court. You don't think that that damaged the the. In the, the institution of the Supreme Court in the eyes of, like, half the country for a generation? Of course it did. Absolutely. It's a horrible thing to do and say. They are horrible people. Moving along. Uh, next clip, Michael. These facts lead me to make a few observations. First, it's clear that political ideology doesn't explain the outcome of the vast majority of Supreme Court decisions. If you take out the unanimous cases... The three liberal justices voted together in fewer than a quarter of the cases. 
and the six conservatives voted together only 17% of the time. That's why I have hate this trend we've got now that all media does of talking about who appointed the judge. Anytime you mention a judge appointed by right. Joe Biden, appointed by Donald Trump, as if that's all you need to know about them, because clearly they're going to go along with. And it's just not true. Partially also because uh, whenever you hear a Trump-appointed judge, if it was from a Democratic state where both Senates were Democrats, they recommend who you get to choose from. So Correct. So, Prosecutors, so, too. Yeah. Right. So it, mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way anyway. But as you just heard there, they're not as uh, predictable as the whole the Trump-appointed judge said. The Supreme Court justices especially are not as predictable as that. And in case it went by very uh, or too quickly, the three brave, staunch defenders of liberalism agreed with each other less than 25% of the time. Very interesting. And and what was the percentage? It was uh, There were only eight cases out of dozens and dozens in which it was the six to three conservatives versus liberals. So it almost never happens. This entire right. court season was described in every publication I read. As the 6-3 Trump court will look at cases, well, that hardly ever plays in, that it's rarely, as you just heard, plays a role. Right, it's an anomaly. It's weird when it happens. Next clip. But if political ideology doesn't explain these voting patterns, what does? I think of it as two axes. At the bottom, there's the political valence of a case. But for those who study the court closely, it's hard to say that Justice Gorsuch, for example, is more conservative than Justice Kavanaugh. So why aren't they voting the same way? Because there's a second axis, and it's capturing institutional concerns, meaning they disagree on how to think about precedent or whether the effects of the outcome of a case should matter or which rules to apply when words are ambiguous. So, instead of being a 6-3 conservative majority, the court is more like 3-3-3. In terms of their philosophies on those other things that she mentioned, which, uh, granted, are are a little fuzzy and I don't think a lot of us can relate to them, but it's, uh, you know, it just serves to further support the point that 6-3 mean conservatives uh, narrative is idiotic. I I lost track after she used the word valence, but... um, one thing that's interesting to me is a guy that uh, didn't almost go to law school is how you can have a whole bunch of great legal minds who go to the very best schools, most of them to the same school, that have such differing views on so many different things, not just their ideology like conservative liberal, but like the various little minutia rules and stuff like that, that they come out of their life of law and reading and studying at the same law school with such different views. It, uh, that, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, and it's actually kind of encouraging, honestly. It shows there's some independent thinking and that, you know, running the affairs of mankind is not a simple proposition. It's it's tough. It's complicated. One more clip from Sarah Isger um, that makes a really good point that I think conservatives are already aware of in general. But next one, Michael. Another thing I hear is that, sure, the court may be unanimous in some cases, but on the important ones, it's all political. Right off the bat, we have to ask, what makes a case important? Is it the number of people affected? Is it the economic impact? I don't think there's a right answer to this question, but if you define important as the most politically divisive, then it doesn't really do us a lot of good. The Supreme Court, for example, struck down the Biden administration's student loan debt forgiveness plan. 
Six justices said they didn't think that's what Congress meant when it said the Secretary of Education could waive or modify federal student loans. And more importantly, Congress could forgive these debts whenever they wanted to. It's just that the president couldn't do it without clearer congressional authorization. Now, that was a 6-3 case, and by nearly any measure, an important one. So she goes into, and, and that at that point there was a graphic showing the nine justices and who voted in what ways, and then she goes through some other quote-unquote important cases, divisive cases, very political cases about illegal aliens and that sort of thing. And the, the map kept shifting. Who voted what? And and it strikes me that once she launched into the uh, the explanation of the student loan case, it was two sentences, maybe three sentences, uh, very simple in their construction and uh, no multisyllable words, easily understandable by even a high school freshman. And it was better and more accurate than anything we got from our major uh, news outlets. Yeah, Sarah Isger is great. She is uh, with the Dispatch, and I follow everything she says and writes because it's 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 like that. It's easy to understand, but man, that. All that stuff we just played should be in high school classes. Uh, it wouldn't be allowed because it would be seen as right wing to claim that the court is not out of control in MAGA. But uh, that is really interesting stuff right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, you know, it's, there are days it makes me cynical and disgusted and discouraged that there's so much uh, misinformation from the very folks who yell the most about misinformation. Uh, on the other hand, I don't know. It's the marketplace of ideas. You People fight dirty. They throw elbows. It's just the way it is. Quick question for you. What if you happen to miss this unbelievable radio program? The answer is easy, friends. Just download our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. It's the podcast version of the broadcast show, available anytime, any day, every single podcast platform known to man. Download it now, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong. iHeart Radio Station. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I just came across this, this headline over, it was on Friday. It was in the Wall Street Journal. Once it was uh, just another day at the office. Now it's just weird. What are we going to do about Fridays? And I assume the article is about the directions Fridays have just kind of gone. I just, I, 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 I do feel like Friday has become for, is it now the majority of people? It's not a real work day. As the Wall Street Journal said, it used to be just another work day. Friday wasn't really different than Tuesday. I mean, casual Friday is a fairly recent in, uh, development in in my mind. I mean, you used to dress the same all Monday through Friday. Then it became casual Friday. Then it was half-day Friday. That's Then it's, you know, pandemic brought along, uh, you know, get on your Zoom call for one minute, then <laughs> not work at all Friday. Yeah, kind of. It's certainly, if uh, your company does any remote working, you're remote working on Friday. And from what I've heard, that even people coming into the office consider it perfectly acceptable if they announce at 1 p.m., you know, I got some stuff to take care of, and and off they go. What are we going to do about Fridays, the Wall Street Journal says. That's kind of funny. Anyway, we can that talk is about that fun. later. I love that. I remember my first gig out of college. We would knock off at 4.30 on Fridays and have beers in the uh, conference room. And that was that was like Christmas time because Friday was 20% of the work week, period. Nobody thought of Friday as like, well, it's kind of a work day. Right. We're turning into France, folks, and I don't hate it. <laughs> beers in the conference room. That seems... Yeah, the, the idea oh of that god. now, people... Alcohol use, oh my god. People would act like you brought a meth lab into the building if you <laughs> had beers in the office on Fridays. And I worked at a big radio station, many, several radio stations, that on a Friday afternoon, everybody had a beer on their desk on a Friday afternoon. 
And it wasn't considered, oh my God, they're shooting heroin down in the office. Well, Everybody what about all the fist fights and oh, pe- people oh, the, having sex on the desks right. and the fights, the rapes? It was endless. Car wrecks on the way home all the time because adults can't be trusted. Anyway, a uh, pedophastry, or it's it's got a pedophastry, pedophastry. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. I never took Greek. Um, it's a concept I brought up years ago when Greta Thunberg first made her appearance on the world scene, shaming us all because the planet's about to catch fire. How dare you? She's that little girl that yelled at us about climate change. Yeah, you and I was stolen my dreams. Sorry about that. Again, with your 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 accusations, my darling. Uh, and and uh, I came across a word describing why she was such a phenomenon, and I was fascinated by it. But I promptly forgot it and haven't been able to find it since. But Drew, the millennial who learned the word on the show, did better than me. He remembered it and sent it back to us. Pedophastry. It's using children to make an argument or prop up a rationalization because you know the opposite side either A, doesn't want to criticize a child, or B, you can make the appeal that children are so pure of heart and have that wisdom uh, from the mouths of babes. Blah, blah, blah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, I'm more, inkin- I'm more uh, you know, inclined to take that side of it, sweetheart. Anyway, uh, but the idea that... Oh, a child knows. A child is untainted by idea. We must listen to the children. <laughs> That's pedophastry. Okay. That's, that is pretty good. That is pretty yeah, good. I mean, like the notion that a confused 12-year-old girl, she knows what gender she is. We must listen to the children. Yeah, we got to listen to confused adolescents. Since when? As a former confused adolescent, trust me, you didn't want to listen to me. Yeah, this is bringing up a sore point for me. Oh, I can only imagine. As a parent, I've had conversations with coworkers around here about how we uh, we're, we're surprised of our kids' attitudes, yet uh, uh, about a variety of things, uh, but fully recognize that you know we raised them. So you gotta, I mean, you gotta, you know, when you point the finger at someone else, you got four fingers pointing back at you. No, um, you really don't, <laughs> unless you got some weird deformity. Anyway, go on. I'm sure you have a point. I think maybe one of the most important things that we all as a nation should uh, embrace is this idea of they didn't raise themselves, which we bring up a lot on the attitudes of whichever generation it is you're criticizing at the time. They, they, they're not organically different, like, or their DNA changed or something like this. They got their attitude either from culture or you and your household or whatever. But anyway, aside from that, was just the, um, uh, 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 and, and I'll give myself some, uh, a leeway for the fact that I'm, uh, single parenting and that is a lot of jobs pushed into one human being, but um, trying to figure out the mealtime and everything like that. I, I, I have this tendency to ask my kids what they would want to eat, and it just it turns into a disaster of when we eat and what <laughs> we eat. And I remember my mom never asked us what we want to eat. She just put dinner on the table at the same time every night, and either you ate it or you didn't. <laughs> And I'm gonna go and you back. Did. And I'm gonna go back to that uh, the plan for my kids because this. What do you want to eat? And then arguing about it is just oh. nowheresville. What a stupid! Th- I can't believe I even allowed it to happen. But I've gone down this road of making myself miserable. But it's over. Those days are over. Well, if you had a child, that would merely be a poor idea. But a three-headed monster of hungry men, please. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. 
Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Now, broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. Celebrating 25 years of radio excellence. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. We're taking the week off because we're gluttons and we're going to eat so much that we're sick. Be incoherent. We're so full anyway. But there's so much to discuss. You got senators wanting to fight witnesses. You got Congress people fighting each other. Israel fighting for its survival and fat communists visiting California. So much. By the way, if you want to hear more, you can catch our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. A team dropped us a note um, in which he said, essentially, there are you know complexities on both sides, and he's never really uh, bought that. Uh, he's always made a distinction between Palestinians and Hamas. Uh, I was moved by your declaration of the fight for Western culture and all that is good in this world. Uh, when I heard the speech from the woman at the protest in D.C., uh, that would be Ms. Uh, Lamis Deke, Palestinian activist, hit us with 85, Michael. Peace and glory to the martyrs and the freedom fighters who fight for all of our freedom. And there is nothing higher nor more glorious than a martyr. And so we say glory to all the martyrs, wherever they may be. 
So the martyrs are going to give us freedom from the Western world and bring on Sharia law. That's what Dean was referring to. When I heard that... Uh, and the prosecution of Americans for genocide is immediately convinced that there is no way to stay neutral. This really is a war for enlightenment versus Islamism, capitalism versus communism, relative good versus absolute evil. We cannot let these backward ideas take over the Western world. Uh, I would agree completely. Yeah, the question in all those pro-Palestinian uh, marches, like the 300,000 in London, how many of them are full-on... I support what Hamas did. Israel brought it on themselves, as I heard somebody actually say to me that day. Um, uh, or, or they're just like Hamas adjacent. They just think they're helping out the downtrodden. I We don't know. The soft-headed victim oppressor view yeah. people, 20-somethings, almost entirely. Yeah. If you if you still think that way and you're 30, God help you. Um, <laughs> Your head is soft. It is. It is very, very soft. Wear a helmet everywhere I, you go. I pity you. Uh, but getting, and, and uh, you know, you get me started on this, I could go on all day, but uh, getting back to Jack's point about Iran being the wellspring of all of this and that brave young woman's speech making that clear, I was reminded of the Israeli ambassador to the UN. We played that clip uh, in which he asked all of the Arab nations, where are your Jews? You had 40% of your population was Jewish 30 years ago. Where are your Jews? You had 800,000 Jews in the 20th century. Where are your Jews? That was righteous and good. But anyway, uh, Katie in L.A. writes, uh, Guys, thanks for your words of sanity in these chaotic times. I could not agree with you anymore that this is not a fight over territory. It's a war against all Western values of democracy, justice, liberty, and life. Israel is just the front. I know this from personal experience as I watched the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas demonstrations. The shouting, the open hatred and anger. I can tell you where it all began. I was there for its birth in Iran. I was a, uh, I was a teenager when the Iranian Revolution happened in 1979. And I vividly remember the hundreds of thousands of demonstrators who called for the overshow, overthrow of the Shah using very similar slogans to what you see being shouted against Israel today. Replace Israel and Jews with America or democracy and you will have the same slogans. Shouting with the same hatred, same anger, calling for death and destruction of the Shah, who was perceived to be and in reality was indeed a puppet of the West, i.e. the U.S. I could go off on a tangent here about uh, some of the dictators in the Middle East who are absolutely unsavory characters with unsavory regimes, but they're the bulwark against uh, religious nut jobs. In the same way that, you know, some of the Central South American regimes the U.S. supported in the 20th century were awful, but they were the only bulwark against a bunch of throat slitting communists. So, yeah, it's my bad guy versus your bad guy. But anyway, moving along. Uh, most people know what happened. The stupidest president to sit in the White House, well, Biden may surpass him, he still has another year, <laughs> told the Shah to leave. And now we know, based on released CIA files, uh, Carter was secretly talking to Khomeini through back channels and got assurances, may he burn in hell forever and ever, that if the U.S. supports him to take over, he would remain a friend to the U.S. Apparently, he pinky swore, and our smart president at the time, much like this one, really wanted to make friends with Iran, took them at their word. You know how that friendship w went if you watched Argo. Great movie. Very entertaining. Oh, I've not seen Argo. And that, that is a good movie? It's about oh, all yes. this? It's about trying to get Americans out of Iran during the revolution, the taking of the hostages era. It's the Ben Affleck vehicle. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely terrific. Okay, I'll have to watch um, that some. 
Uh, anyway, more importantly, though, is my distinct memory of what Khomeini would say. This is the Ayatollah Khomeini, the first ruler of the Islamic Republic of, of Iran. Um, <clears throat> my distinct memory of what Khomeini would say to the people of Iran on TV in Farsi, I'll never forget his words, quote, So far, our main export has been oil, but starting now, our main export to the world will be jihad. Everything you see today can be traced back to those words. Khomeini and his replacements have had one goal for the past 40 years. Holy war. A war where the evil West, America the great Satan, and Israel the little Satan, uh, and their evil ways, women showing their hair in public, for example, will be replaced by the true religion of Islam, where gay people can be hanged from cranes in the middle of the street, and you can't have a glass of wine after work, or go dancing, or be caught in red nail polish. This is what these uninformed, naive children are chanting for. I hope they get a chance to go live in Iran or Gaza for a few weeks, and then express their utterly idiotic nonsensical opinions sorry this was a long h-h-w-d-t-i-i here's hoping we don't turn into iran oh my god that is the most <laughs> i don't know what acronym anybody's ever sent us <laughs> that was the, the heaviest yet hilarious acronym anybody's ever sent us <laughs> that uh, katie uh, I, think i'm in love that is <laughs> to brilliant. unleash a screed that powerful eloquent and historically important then end with h-h-w-t-i-i <laughs> oh boy <laughs> you know so that's it that's it there's your answer it's interesting that she mentions that about uh, uh, Jimmy Carter being naive about the Ayatollah and the Ayatollah. Oh no, no, no! This is we're we're good people. This is what we want because that's exactly what Josh Rogan is writing in the Washington Post today about Biden and and she that Biden thinks she is then they're 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 actually friends and she cares about his feelings and you know and and you can take his promises as 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 is true and that sort of thing. Wow. You know, the Judeo-Christian principles that made this country great make us vulnerable. We want to be good. And we have this fantasy that other people and powers and leaders around the world also ultimately want to be good. They may, through their circumstances, have to do some tough stuff, but they're like us. They want to be a good person. That is so freaking naive. Yeah, I have trouble with that in my own personal life. I have trouble believing that. No, you wouldn't lie about that like that much. No, you couldn't. That couldn't be. I've, I've, I, it's, it's easy for me to, for where if I have a personal relationship for somebody to think there's no way they'd be trying to take advantage of me. Well, it's uh, time to it. wake up. There is a poll out about what people's attitudes are about higher education. We have to get to later because it's really something, man. Has higher education taken a hit in? Uh, the polling goes back to 2015, but in that amount of time, that eight years, just it's amazing. It all genders, age levels, education levels, everything. It's just it's gone down so much. And they earned it. Absolutely earned it. I would say so. I mean, like the number one thing being taught these days is a philosophy, a worldview so idiotic, so moronically oversimplified it's hard to believe even a 10 year old would accept it the idea if you have more power everything you do is evil no matter how good it's evil and if you're if you have less power everything you do is good no matter how evil it's good no killing babies was good and raping women was good yes i claim to be a feminist but raping women was good because the person with less power did it i mean seriously it's like uh, they've been brainwashed 
by a cult or or the pod people from outer space or something, you're dealing with a person whose capacity for reason has left them. It's scary. It's like you come across a brute who wants only to inflict violence, a crazy street person or something like that. You realize, and Jack, you've dealt with this. You realize, I cannot reason with this person on any level. Mm-hmm. Before we get to, hey, Katie! Katie, Katie, the news lady. Um, you know what's the most underreported story right now? Might be one of your headlines, Katie. Hope I'm not stealing one. You know what's the most underreported story, I think, in America? Talk to me. Talk to me. It's certainly the most underreported story in California where we are. I-10 being closed for over a month in Los Angeles. One of the busiest freeways on planet Earth is closed. Because it was an accidental fire at a storage facility. Next story. Next story. Move along. Because of homeless people. Because of a homeless camp. That's not getting any coverage. I'm looking at the flames right now in the headline on uh, MSNBC. Uh, I-10 will reopen in three to five weeks. First of all, closing down a major thoroughfare in Los Angeles for over a month is not a minor thing. But the root of the fire. Don't just show the fire and talk about the, why did this happen? Huge cover-up going on right now. Huge cover-up between the government officials and the L.A. Times. Uh, nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here. This really would hurt our narrative that the junkie camps are just uh, the enclave of the poor, unfortunate, unhoused. Yeah. That is really quite amazing. People are waking up slowly. Let's hope it's not too late. Quick question for you. What if you happen to miss this unbelievable radio program? The answer is easy, friends. Just download our podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. It's the podcast version of the broadcast show, available anytime, any day, every single podcast platform known to man. Download it now, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. On the national security scene, this story is utterly galling. Our enemies are utterly aware of our national character and our open society, and they exploit its weaknesses. Perhaps you've heard this, maybe you haven't. Chinese nationals, often posing as tourists, have accessed military bases and other sensitive sites in the U.S. as many as 100 times in recent years, according to U.S. officials who described the incident, duh, incidents, duh, as potential espionage threats. It seems like if it happened twice, it would, it ought to be a news story. Well, getting back to the nature and the openness of our society, can you imagine as an American citizen, if you accidentally accessed a Chinese military base. Oh, sorry, I was looking for the Great Wall. What would happen to you? Yeah. yeah. You'd end up being swapped for somebody in two and a half years, probably. What did happen to all these huge people? Ransom paid. Well, that's the interesting part of the story, and we can't get to that or people tune out, Jack. So stay tuned for the interesting part. No, I kid. Uh, the whole thing is interesting to me. Before I get to that, though, the Defense Department, FBI, and other agencies held a review last year to try to limit these incidents to get a handle on it, which involved people whom officials have dubbed gate crashers because of their attempts either by accident, bullcrap, or intentionally to get onto U.S. military bases and other installations without proper authorization. They ranged from Chinese nationals found crossing into U.S. missile range in New Mexico to what appear to be scuba divers swimming in murky waters near a U.S. government rocket launch site in Florida. Uh, not to mention innumerable uh, ending up on military bases somehow or other. Yeah, I feel well, like this is watered down in a way that it shouldn't be watered down. Calling them gate crashes as opposed to just spies and suggesting that accidents are often enough to even mention. I mean, come on. Right, right. Uh, the incidents, which d- officials do describe as a form of espionage, appear designed to test security practices at U.S. military installations and other federal sites. Officials familiar with the practice say the individuals are typically Chinese nationals pressed into service and required to report back to the Chinese government. So some of it probably is uh, an intent to gather specific information, but the rest of it is dozens and dozens and dozens of Breaches of security to see how we react, to build a portfolio of knowledge about U.S. military security. So do they get a visiting professor at some, you know, university somewhere near a military base and say, hey, this is what you're going to do, or uh, life is going to get really complicated for your family back home? 
you're going to show up to the middle ba- military base, and you're going to try to walk through the gate, and we're going to see what happens. But I don't yes. want to. Well, that's what you're going to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Be ashamed of something that happened to your kids. Uh, exactly. So the difficulty, again, with our federal system is that m- really all you can charge these people with is trespassing. Because there's usually little or no evidence that they're doing anything else. Wow. And because trespassing are local and, and in some cases state laws and not federal, there's not a lot that can be done. So these people, they're trained what to say. They say, hey, I'm following uh, Google Maps uh, to the nearest McDonald's, and it told me to turn right on Base Boulevard or Burger King or... Uh, officials described incidents in which Chinese nationals say, I have a reservation at the on-base hotel, which, of course, is just for family and, and you know. See, no, nobody's going to buy your McDonald's excuse. you got to claim you're going to Panda Express. A group of, that's hilarious, a group of Chinese nationals claimed they were tourists, tried to pat, push past guards at Fort Wainwright, Alaska, saying they had reservations at a commercial hotel on the base. The base is home to the Army's 11th Airborne, which is focused on Arctic warfare. So this low-level Chinese intelligence collection is well-known in intelligence circles. It's a numbers game from, who is this? Emily Harding, Senior Fellow at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. And she's got all sorts of intelligence bona fides. Quote, the advantage the Chinese have is they are willing to throw people at collection in large numbers. If a few of them get caught, it will be very difficult for the U.S. government to prove anything beyond trespassing. And those who don't get caught are likely to collect something useful. Sure. So, since most incidents in the U.S. can only be pursued as trespassing, the Chinese government gives a collective shrug for those who do get caught. That would be unlikely if an American were caught inside China. The latter is unlikely to get what we would consider a fair trial. You'd get disappeared, and again, until you're maybe traded someday. Boy, that reminds me, uh, I'll have to report more on this as I get further into it. I started listening to a podcast that The Economist puts out. They did a series on President Xi. It's basically an audio biography. It's really well done, too. With all kinds of interviews and sound clips and stuff like that called The Prince. It's like seven mm-hmm. parts or something like that. So good. But uh, damn, that's a scary country and getting scarier all the time. Is their economy collapsing, making things better for us or worse for us? Well, I heard a really interesting discussion of that very uh, uh, question, and it's a complicated answer. Economically worse, almost certainly in the near and medium term. Um, they're just a giant market. They're an the exporter. They're a, still, to some extent, a manufacturer of advanced goods. We do the R&D and, and the fancy stuff. They crank it out. Uh, well, I've been part of the global economy. Well, yeah, there's that. And I even meant militarily. Does it make it more likely that he moves on Taiwan? Because, uh, you know, us against them is always good for a leader if people get a little unhappy with their own government as you got all of these young people that are out of work lots and lots of dudes that can't get any sex and can't get a job because there ain't no chicks and there ain't no economy that makes for a restive population although you go to war and you got the united states as the big big bad guy out there that might help 
I've I've been leaning in that direction for quite a while, just because you know if, if the internal situation that a regime faces is 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 eroding support, you create an external threat. I mean, it's as old as time. I heard Jonah Goldberg saying the other day he doesn't buy that. He thinks, in fact, that the economic problems will make uh, Xi Jinping soft pedal some of his hardcore nationalist expansionist plans because it's not going to be he's not going to be able to finance it and and. You know, the, the whole, we're going to get super prosperous, then we're going to go full-on commie thing has been interrupted. So maybe he pulls back. I don't see it unfolding like that. Well, the, the, I don't know. The thing is, it's one man's psychology. He's the most powerful person in the world because he can make these decisions on his own. Uh, doesn't need anybody. He's surrounded by nothing but lackeys and loyalists. Yeah. Right, so who knows? Who knows? But that's a, that's a scary situation. What's really interesting about China is in the wake of Mao's killing hundreds of thousands, millions, millions and millions of people through starvation and and purges and stuff like that, is they designed a system to prevent that ever happening again within the context of the Communist Party. And it was a pretty decent system. But she just dismantled it bit by bit. Now he's uh, Mao-like in his, uh, his ultimate power. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.